Good afternoon and welcome to Living Permaculture on KDNK. I'm your host, Vanessa Harmony of Colorado Edible Forest Plant Nursery at Rivendell Farms in Spring Valley of Glenwood Springs. On today's episode, we will explore a topic called bioregional regeneration and interview two self-proclaimed weavers of bioregional regeneration efforts in the Roaring Fork Valley. I'll first take a moment to define bioregional regeneration. The first term, bioregion, refers to a region defined by characteristics of the natural environment rather than by man-made divisions. For example, assessing a watershed as a single system rather than limiting it to man-made boundaries like state lines. The second term, regeneration, refers to systems that replenish natural resources rather than depleting them. For example, regenerative farming builds soil health. The two words together, bioregional regeneration, is an approach pioneered by global organizer and researcher Joe Brewer in addressing the question, how does one begin to restore degraded landscapes? Joe Brewer wrote a book about this quest called The Designed Pathway for Regenerating Earth. We'll hear more about Joe Brewer and his book from our guests shortly in the program. Our two guests today are weavers of local bioregional regeneration efforts. First, we have Rita Marsh, co-founder and now serving on the board of directors for the Center of Human Flourishing in Carbondale. Next, we have Gwen Garcelon, whom our listeners probably know as the host of The Inner Game mm. on the first Tuesday of the month on KDNK. Gwen is also the author of Strategies for Active Citizenship and a current regenerative strategist. The third weaver of bioregional regeneration, who will be listening but not joining today in person, is Joni Matranga of Carbondale, formerly of CORE, or the Community Office for Resource Efficiency. Gwen and Rita, thank you for coming and welcome to the program. Mm, nice to be here, Vanessa. Thanks, for Thanks Vanessa. Well, it kind of seems like each of you are already pursuing bioregional regeneration before it was cool or before it had a name. Would you each tell us about your work in the Roaring Fork Valley and describe bioregional regeneration from your perspectives? Rita, let's start with you. Well, let's see. My work early on was as a family nurse practitioner. And um, over years that evolved into helping people create health in their own lives and through our organization, the Center for Human Flourishing, we ask people to look at the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. And it became very clear to me after hearing Joe Brewer last November on a podcast in a Zoom room that we hadn't been paying specific attention to the environment itself as being part of and foundational to personal health, to community health. And so um, I was really taken by that, and it started me on this path with Gwen and Joni to look at our region through the lens of bioregionalism. And what does that mean to me? Well, 
you pop up and you look at the watershed of the Roaring Fork Valley and see very clearly the connection of water, land, and people and realize that the interconnection is there and we don't really talk about it. We don't really pay attention to it because we're too busy running up and down the valley here and there. So it seemed really essential that we pause and look at the place we live, why we love it, and how we can keep it healthy so we can be healthy. From an eagle's eye view. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. So Gwen, tell us about your work in the Roaring Fork Valley and how does bioregional regeneration What is the impact from your perspective? Yeah. Um, When I stopped working um, in the movement to end hunger and poverty at the domestic and global level, I um, started to look at the food system here locally and uh, got involved in organizing and researching and doing some projects uh, because I could see the writing on the wall that our food system would be central to uh, the future here, the future for be- people to be able to get through the, the challenges that are starting to really ramp up with, with climate change. And over the years, I also got involved in, in sort of pieces of um, policy, like the Integrated Weed Management Plan, for Carbondale that I worked on over five years to get finally adopted. And at the center of that was a plan that would allow for weed management that focused on the health of the soil. And over the years, I've just gotten more and more aware that unless we start to understand our uh, need to keep this bioregion and all bioregions thriving, we won't be able to do anything about housing or or our local economies. Um, We've got to start at the land that supports us and the water that supports us and figure out how to do more kinds of complex, higher-level collaboration that will allow for larger-scale regeneration of the bioregion. And that's what really speaks to me and makes my heart sing about this effort is that uh, I think it's something that a lot of us have been waiting for and have been doing the hard work of understanding and trying things and developing coalitions and uh, developing plans. And now it's time to knit that together in a way that can really catalyze at the level that we know we need to be working. So would you say that Joe Brewer's book and presentation kind of offered a framework that made the work ahead seem addressable? Yeah. He started something called the Design School for Regeneration, which allows for uh, learning across bioregions. And um, that's been absolutely so valuable to hear what others are doing and hear what challenges they're they're encountering and, and what's working in different places 
even though what needs to happen is very place-based, how it happens is oftentimes very similar. Mm -hmm. And was it Joe's presentation that brought you weavers together? Well, let's see. This global summit that I spoke about, I immediately let Gwen know about, and she popped on because I, I knew in the heart of hearts that Gwen's a person who could work with this topic in a very cohesive way. And so uh, it turned out that Joe, after that online summit, was coming to Paonia. So we went to Paonia and saw him, and in the meantime, put out an invitation for him to come here to Carbondale, which he accepted. And two days ago, three days ago, he, he and his partner Penny had their fourth visit here to the Valley. Really? So it's an ongoing relationship. Mm. And as Gwen said, the design school that's been started is working with regions, uh, the Great Lakes region up in Ontario, Canada, New York State, Finger Lakes region there. And recently they just did a 30-day tour of the Salish Sea region in British Columbia and the northwest of the U.S. So we are connected through meetings that happen through the design school with these other places. And it's such rich conversation and, as Gwen said, resources that are really going to help us um, bring that information to the region here and to educate people about it and to raise their enthusiasm for looking at the incredible resources we have here in the Roaring Fork Valley through a different lens. Mm -hmm. Well, um, just for our listeners' sake, I'll explain that Joe Brewer presented in Carbondale last year. And we do have a recording of that YouTube presentation, so if any of our listeners are interested in following up to receive that link, we can send that to them. But some of the topics in that presentation were, what are the opportunities to regenerate land and habitat in this bioregion? Who are the key stakeholders engaged in the activities? What are the opportunities for collaboration if we zoom out to an eagle's eye view of the bioregion? And last week, I had the opportunity to sit in a small group with Rita and Gwen and Joni to participate in a bioregional charrette, where you're taking input from community, the community and members of the local food system to, to address these questions. Can you tell us more about the bioregional charrettes? Yeah, I, what I've loved about them is the opportunity for people to um, gather in a small group with people outside their normal sector or silo and you know for sort of for people from the water realm to hear about local food and you know people from land trusts to hear about what's going on um you know although they they know a lot of it already uh you know like in in biodiversity studies that are that have happened here and allow for people to get to know each other in a more intimate way um, and bring the land into the onto the table um, through having people share their stories, having them share their messages from the land through their unique lens and relationship. 
and it's giving us and also to share what their organizations and efforts and coalitions are focusing on and working on right now. And it's allowing us to hear where there are leverage points and areas of opportunity for follow-up, for convening of meetings, for gathering uh, more resources around. And that's the that's what we're understanding is the key role of something like a bioregional coordinator, which is what we've been sort of doing, is doing that initial outreach and listening and gathering of information, ultimately doing some mapping so that we can um, make sure there's a way for all of the great planning and work of coalitions to be accessed by more people and organizations. And the session I attended, I believe, was the third, and I know you have an, a, another one set up for next month. Uh, tell us about the future of the bioregional charrette process. I think we're headed to our ninth. Whoa. No, the 10th. <laughs> <Which is laughs> December will be the 10th. The 10th. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, started in January of last year, and one or two a month up until this time. And I think the richness of it has been we allow people to pause in their lives, and we ask them to really speak from their hearts, not uh, come out of your head, come into your heart. What brought you to this region? Why do you love being here? Why do you love the work that you do? And where do you see the opportunities? And where do you see maybe a gap that could be filled in this interconnection, this weaving of water, land, and people. And so I've learned a great deal. I've been in the valley since 1965, and it's just extraordinary what I've heard from people I've known for a long time when they sit at the table and we ask them to go into their hearts. And where we're headed with this is... Uh, uh, bringing some collaboration around topic areas that are emerging. For instance, you know, I've been working in the local food system for quite some time and building more relationships and understanding of, of how we can expand and strengthen our local food system. And this work is, is allowing for bringing some diverse players to the table to discuss where we go from here. And so that's the kind of work that we're looking at is starting to convene around some different topic areas as well as convening groups around a potential bioregional summit um, in a, a year from now to keep looking for those ways that we can have bioregionally scaled impact in regenerating this area. Because we know we're being tasked with making an impossible leap in that area. We know we need to do more than we've ever imagined doing before to stabilize the climate, to create more long-term health in our bioregion. And we're trying to use the best thinking that's out there, the pro-social supports of Nobel Peace Prize winning process, um, and, and feeling like that's 
that's the way that we are going to be able to move forward as quickly as we need to. Right. It seems like there have been plenty of people and organizations trying to tackle our issues, but kind of, as you mentioned before, in their own silos. And so it's nice that this now kind of offers a framework for groups working together. And you mentioned the pro-social process and Eleanor Ostrom's Nobel Prize winning core design principles. Some people are using the term pro-social to describe this framework for improving the efficacy of groups, which is what we need to do. So there are eight principles that are used as a guide to enhance a group's ability to cooperate. Shared identity and purpose, equitable distribution of contributions and benefits, fair and inclusive decision-making, monitoring of agreed behaviors, graduated responding to helpful and unhelpful behavior, fast and fair conflict resolution, ability to self-govern, collaborative relations with other groups. So how have you applied the pro-social methodologies in your bioregional regeneration efforts? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're doing that work of of getting to know what organizations um, are working on what, and deepening our understanding and relationship with them, and then looking for ways that we can support uh, working together in new ways. You know, I think that's a that's a really key piece that we're we're really working in that area around that principle. And I think with the long-term goal of a shared vision, that is a vision of the bioregion. That's not just, oh, how are we going to continue to make a living here? How are we going to keep our economy growing? But how we can create an economy that's ecology-based. That Because we know that our lives are, are absolutely um, dependent on the health of the land that supports us. But we've built these economies that are degrading our, our mother. And that's something we need to, to really come together around and make our decisions through that lens. I think what's um, been the most powerful thing that we've done around the pro-social tenants is agree upon them ourselves, Gwen, Joni, and myself, and to model that for the people who come to the charrettes. And um, I think that's been impactful in its own way, just for people to be able to sit at a, a table and realize there's a container here that's safe, that they'll be heard, that there isn't any arguing going on. There isn't any challenging of facts. It's just, um, it's happening. And at some point, we may do more education publicly about pro-social and the tenets that you just spoke about. But right now, um, by modeling it and by holding a container of respect and caring for the people that we meet with, that's been working. Mm. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people who've been to Charette's have said, and these are people who are land stewards, they're people who've been water stewards, people who've been doing this work for a long time and caring passionately about it, and sharing their their sadness 
you know, their their despair um, that we all kind of keep in our back pocket. We know the challenges that we're up against when we work this way close to knowing about climate change. And, and I th- think being able to be honest about that and, um, and trust that we can hear each other and be concerned about how we are supporting each other to do this work long term, because this is a long term strategy. And we're going to need to figure out how we maintain our own inner stability and clarity in order to be really generative in this work. And I suppose you've probably had some pretty stark types of attendees coming. I mean, I'm, I'm a farmer. I was there. There was a local resident. There was someone involved in uh, community food banks. But what are, the, what are some of the other kind of opposing or different types of attendees you've had? Did you invite everybody or did you pick out certain sectors? We have quite a master list of people who have been invited, who get invitations, haven't shown up yet, Mm -hmm. and who will be invited. And they're from all sectors of um, the region. And uh, it's interesting that people from different sectors who've come together and they really listen uh, and are surprised about learning something from somebody or an organization they didn't know about before. So in in a way, it's a very educational process. Yeah. Yeah, as Rita was saying, you know, I think when you have a container where you, uh, where it's really important to you that people are respected and listen to each other and have time to be listened to, that you find that there's not so much conflict and need to, um, need to be right about something, but there's more of an openness to learn and maybe change your mind about something. Right. It was more about just starting from the basics and finding common ground as opposed to people getting together to address a specific issue. For example, a, a food hub at the Emma, right. old the Emma Orchard property, because in my farmer circles, we talk about these topics and we kind of know the who's who and talk about the events, but it was nice talking about these topics with people from totally different sectors of life and, mm-hmm. yeah, finding that common ground and not really addressing any specific issue, but right. just yeah. starting from We're the, all here mm-hmm. for the land. We're all here for the health of this area, and we all have a role to play. Well, I'll end the program with contact information for yourselves as well as for Joe Brewer and some of the websites that we've mentioned, but I'd like to give you both the opportunity to just talk about anything that we may have missed or you'd like to emphasize for our listeners. Thanks for this opportunity to speak about it, and I hope that uh, we'll be back again on the air in maybe six months from now to be able to tell you the progress that we've made in this weaving process. And the air, the land, the water, the people, the wildlife, that's something we hadn't mentioned before, but that's something very important in this region, realizing the need for safe passage 
for people and animals. So that's a, a topic that's come up at the table, and we'll be hearing more about that from uh, participants in the charrettes as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that I'll just say is that we're in the process of um, pulling together a small amount of funding to uh, fund a bioregional coordinator. That would be me. And to do to keep moving the topic areas and opportunities that have emerged thus far forward through the next few months so we can start to demonstrate the value of doing this kind of bioregional coordination and then be able to uh, look for larger pots of funding to keep this work going. So you've filled the position, but now you're finding some funding to pay yourself. Right. (laughs) We've just been doing the work as volunteers. And the Center for Human Flourishing, because we're tenants at Third Street Center, we've been uh, privileged enough to host the meetings for this to happen. So I'm grateful for our um, connection with the Third Street Center. Absolutely. Well, our listeners can get in touch with Gwen Garcelon by emailing her at gwen at gwengarcelon.com, G-W-E-N at G-W-E-N-G-A-R-C-E-L-O-N.com. And you can get in touch with Rita Marsh by emailing Rita, R-I-T-A, at tcfhf.org. That's the acronym for the Center for Human Flourishing.org. And as I mentioned, we, any of us would be happy to follow up with links to YouTube presentations or any websites if any of our listeners would like to learn more. I'll also name a couple of websites where people can learn about Joe Brewer's Earth Regenerators project. That would be at earthregenerators.org. Joe Brewer's book is called Design Pathway for Regenerating Earth. And available here at White River Books. Oh, right, at White River Books in Carbondale. In Carbondale. Support our local businesses. Good. And the pro-social principles we mentioned, our listeners can learn more about at prosocial.world. That's the website, prosocial.world. Any other links you'd like to call out for our listeners to study up more? I mean, there's just a ton on YouTube. You know, you can put in bioregeneration, you can put in Joe Brewer, and there's a wealth of information there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually something we didn't have a chance to discuss in detail today, but there's plenty of information online, is the other bioregions in our nation and even in the world that are trying to tackle our surmounting environmental problems from a bioregional perspective. Very important. Thanks, Vanessa, for mentioning that. Well, thank you so much to Rita and Gwen for taking time out of their busy schedule saving the planet to join us today on Living Permaculture. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Once again, I'm your host, Vanessa Harmony of Colorado Edible Forest in Glenwood Springs. You can find my contact info at www.coloradoedibleforest.com. Tune in next month on KDNK on the third Monday of December at 4 p.m. for another episode of Living Permaculture. I'll talk to you then. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Before all the streets are paved.